Welcome back to The Look and Sound of Leadership, an ongoing series of executive coaching tips designed to help you be perceived in the workplace the way you want to be perceived. I'm Tom Henschel, your executive coach, and today we're talking about managing disruptive executives. Phil was a surprising choice to lead a worldwide division. A thin, rather elegant man, he was known to be conflict-averse. He was three years into his role, and I wondered how he fared among his peers, all of whom were experienced turf fighters. But I wasn't there to help Phil. I was there to listen to Phil talk about Marlene. Marlene had been in her leadership role 12 years. Phil had inherited her. She was widely known as a loose cannon. Wherever Marlene went, emotional upheavals and dramatic resignations followed. I had coached one of Phil's other direct reports, not Marlene, and Phil had been impressed with the results. Now he had invited me to lunch to propose an idea. After we had caught up, he said, What if you did a team-building event with me and all my direct reports? Well, that sounds like fun, I said, but why now? You haven't done one before, have you? No, I haven't. Well, if you did one now, Phil, what would you want to get out of it? Phil listed many reasons, helping the team perform better and such, but it always came back to Marlene. He wanted the team-building event so Marlene would stop being such a problem. I asked, why come at this sideways, Phil? Why not just address her issues directly? You can't address anything directly with Marlene, he said. She goes nuclear, and there's fallout for days, sometimes months. I've given up on ever talking to Marlene directly. When I didn't respond right away, he asked, You don't agree? I looked at him and smiled. There's no right answer when it comes to people like Marlene. Here's what I've learned. Dealing with people like her requires a whole lot of courage and a whole lot of skill. He smiled. Well, I'm not courageous. I'd rather avoid a fight than have one. Then, after a second, he added, But maybe I'm not courageous because I don't have the skills I need. That reminds me of when I was a newbie consultant. I was faced with someone like Marlene, and, well, <laughs> I got massacred. Really? The woman's name was Olivia. She was more junior than Marlene and even more out of control. Oh, that's a scary thought, he said. I continued. Some other consultant had landed this gig. It was supposed to be a training about accountability, but the real target was Olivia. Somehow the job got handed to me, and I didn't know enough to turn it down. So here I am, early one morning, all by myself, starting this training with a team I don't really know, and everyone's in the room except guess who? Olivia, said Phil. Bingo. So I start anyway. And then, about 20 minutes later, the door bangs open, and here comes Olivia. Now, of course, she doesn't slip into the room quietly. Oh, no. Getting herself situated is a big production that completely hijacks the training. Now, in my head, I know this is a test. The team is looking at me, wondering, am I going to call her on her lateness or on this big disruption? Now, I know I should, but my courage fails me. I don't say anything. So Olivia wins round one. Now, personally, I'm flooded with embarrassment and shame. 
I know I have to win round two or I'm going to lose everyone's respect. (laughs) Well, (laughs) round two came way sooner than I wanted. Less than ten minutes later, she takes offense at something someone says, and she starts crying and making wild accusations. I'm listening, terrified. I know I have to speak up. This is my moment, right? So I speak. I put on my best facilitator voice, and I engage Olivia reasonably. I stopped, and I smiled at Phil. He said, not so good? (laughs) Are you kidding? I I was like an amateur up against a heavyweight. She turns on me, accusing me, crying, hysterical, and then she gathers up her stuff, and she storms out. I bet that's what she wanted all along, to get out of there. I've had the same thought, Phil. But nevertheless, there I was in front of this group, having failed in a major way. So what did you do? Well, I recovered as best as I could, but my credibility was completely shot. But afterwards, I thought someone somewhere would have been able to handle her better. That person would have had the courage. That person would have had the skills. And so I got fierce about becoming that person. Phil thought a second and then said, So you think that instead of doing a team event, I should be learning those skills? Well, who knows? Maybe you'll do both, I said. Phil already knew about these executive coaching tips. I offered to send him a file of tips detailing skills for dealing with people like Marlene. He eagerly accepted. If you would like to see that file, just let me know. I would be happy to send it to you. If you don't know how to get in touch with me, I'll tell you how at the end of the podcast. Then Phil said, I get self-conscious when we talk about Marlene or Olivia. I hear us saying things like, those people. It feels creepy, like a kind of bigotry, but I don't know what else to call them. Well, that's a great place to start building your skills and your courage, because you're going to have to talk openly and directly about her behavior. That's going to require both courage and skill. Okay, he said with a little gulp. So how do you talk about people like, ah, there I go again. So what do you say? Well, I don't talk about her. I talk about her behavior and its impact. I use the word disruptive. Or if I want to talk about people like Marlene and Olivia, I call them disruptive executives. It feels accurate without being blaming or shaming. And I would be completely comfortable using that in conversation with Marlene. What? You would say that to Marlene's face? Tell her that she's disruptive? I definitely do not have the courage for that yet. Well, it takes practice, Phil, but you can do this. Think of disruptive, or whatever word you decide to use, as just another descriptor, like her height or her eye color. Oh, come on, Tom, it's not the same at all. Well, you're right, it's not. And that's what often stops us from talking about the behavior. We feel like whatever we say is going to be a hand grenade. But here's the skill. When you say the word, you want it to sound the same as any other part of her. She's brunette, she's five foot seven, she's got brown eyes, and her behavior is disruptive. Make all those descriptors sound the same. Well, I take the point, but... 
He pulled out his phone and made a note. And then he said, I don't know which I need, more courage or more skill. You know another idea that helped me, I asked? Pretending it's a cultural issue. Cultural? Cultural how? It's natural to fall into judging disruptive people. We think they should know better, or what's wrong with them, or they're crazy. But when I started imagining it was a cultural issue, it was easier to stop all my judgments. I'm not getting this yet. I imagine the disruptor comes from somewhere else. I think to myself, hey, I have to be culturally sensitive with this person. It's not her fault she doesn't know our customs. She's living her life the way she learned it. She may not know our rules. Well, she does play by her own rules, that's for sure. And damn, I spend a lot of time worrying about her. Is this going to set her off? Maybe I should do that. It's never ending, and it's exhausting. Like playing 3D chess, I said in agreement. 3D chess? Is that a thing? <laughs> no, it's actually not a thing. It's just a phrase I use for agonizing situations that feel like there ought to be an answer, but it's impossible to figure it out. When you play 3D chess, you're always doubting yourself. Well, that's me. What little courage I have goes out the window, he said. What if you stopped playing, I asked. How do you mean? Stop basing your behavior on how you think she'll react. He looked at me as if I had suggested that if he let go of his fork, it would float to the ceiling. I went on. Stop imagining she's your opponent, Phil. Play your own game. Take control of everything that's yours. Documentation, discussions with HR, calming down your team, modeling appropriate language, showing them you have courage around this issue. He nodded slowly. I like the idea of not imagining she's my opponent anymore. And I would like to stop acting from fear. I'd like to have more courage. I'm not suggesting you get callous and start provoking her. You know that, right? No, no, I, I understand. I'll give her the same amount of consideration I give my other direct reports, but not more just because I'm afraid of her. Exactly, I nodded. Which won't be easy, he finished. He picked up his phone again and listed the five ideas we had discussed about handling disruptors. Number one, be courageous. Tell her her impact. Number two, the word disruptive is direct without being inflammatory. Number three, say disruptive like brown eyes. Number four, pretend it's cultural. Stop hoping she'll play by the rules. Number five, no more 3D chess. Stop worrying about how she'll react. Phil and I also did three other things to help him and his team. First, we ended up having a team event. It focused on a behavioral assessment called DISC. Each member of the team, including Marlene, completed the assessment. Now, Marlene was not Olivia. Throughout the team event, she was engaged and lighthearted. Like her peers, she was curious about DISC. There was good-natured teasing as different people read portions of their reports. And Marlene threw out some good-natured teasing of her own. But I noticed no one teased her back. Like Phil... The team was scared of her. The second thing I did was to meet privately 
with each member of the leadership team, including Marlene. The stated reason was to debrief each person's DISC report, but Phil was interested in my assessment of Marlene as a coaching candidate. I told him I doubted she was a good candidate, but I was really curious to have some time with her. Afterwards, I told Phil my session with Marlene had been rich. She was well aware, I said, that she was disruptive. His jaw dropped. She admitted that, he said. You know what, Phil? In my experience, disruptors know their impact on others. I talked about it with her as if it were common knowledge. Like her eye color, he tossed in. Right. So, yeah, she could admit to being disruptive. And as I suspected, no, she is not a good candidate for coaching. He wanted to know why. I told him which was an entire conversation all by itself. If you're interested in those ideas, they're in an executive coaching tip called Who's Coachable? The third thing I did was to continue to help Phil build his courage and his skills. And I constantly questioned why he wasn't acting more quickly to move Marlene out. But Phil had his own timeline, it wasn't until long after my work with him had ended that Phil finally offered Marlene a package, and she took it. Not surprisingly, with Marlene gone, Phil and the entire team was better able to display the look and sound of leadership. The goal of this episode was twofold. First, I don't know why, but this year I have seen more disruptors than usual. And leader after leader has asked me to put together a team training when what's really needed is a direct intervention on the disruptor. I have seen this as a failure of leadership courage, and I wanted to call it out directly in this podcast. If you have a disruptor on your team, well, my heart goes out to you. I am sorry. But suck it up. Put on your grown-up pants and manage the person that's your job. Which gets me to the second goal of this episode. If you have a disruptor near you, don't collapse. Yes, you need courage, but you need skills too, and they are learnable. That story about Olivia was true. I used to be completely fearful and incompetent in the face of disruptors, but no more. Now I say, bring it on. It's actually become one of the things I'm known for. Aside from coaching on the look and sound of leadership, I have gotten known for coaching disruptive executives. I learned how, and so can you. I mentioned a file full of skill-building tips. I would love to send it to you. Here's how. Go to the Essential Communications website. It's essentialcom.com. It's essentialcom with two ms.com. On the bottom of every page is a Contact Us button. Hit that and send me an email asking for the file on disruptors. Really, it would be my pleasure to send it to you. Or you can read them online if you want. They're all in the archive on the website. Click the Coaching Tips tab and search for these titles. Dealing with Emotional Responses, The Disruptive Executive, Parts 1 and 2, Handling Defensive Behaviors, Managing Performance Up or Out, Managing Beyond Bad Behavior. Now, there are more 
PDFs in the file, but those will get you started if you want to stay in the archive. During this episode, I also mentioned doing a team event with Phil's team, and that event was focused on the DISC behavioral self-assessment. I love DISC. I use DISC with teams all the time. If you want to see a sample DISC report, when you're on the Essential Communications website, go to the tab called Who We Are. Then select Tools and Resources. You'll find a 20-page sample DISC report that is very insightful, and it's fascinating. Give it a read. I think you'll like it. I wrote a coaching tip about DISC also. It was called Capitalizing on Differences in Style. You'll find that in the archive along with all 10 years' worth of other tips. They're all there for you anytime. They're all free. Please help yourself. This month, once again, a dozen or more podcast listeners signed up to receive the HTML email version of the tips. If you would like to get the email version, when you're on the Essential Communications website, the subscribe button is on the bottom of every page, right along with the Contact Us button. I'd love to hear from you, and I would love to add you to the distribution list. This month, more reviews for the podcast were posted in iTunes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Really, truly, your comments and your feedback are very meaningful to me. I really appreciate it. Until next time, I'm Tom Henschel. Thanks so much for listening. 